Blog Talk Radio. It's already done. It's the Pressure Points Unpacked Podcast with host Tyra Little. We're live Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. This show deals with personal and community issues by getting to the root cause and causes on an open and raw level. We're unpacking emotional, spiritual, mental, and physical topics that influence and often control us. Get ready to unload, examine, and process. Let's get unpacked on Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network, Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Well, hello, and welcome to Pressure Points Unpacked Podcast, where I'm your host, Tyra Little. And this month, we will deal with the school board elections for District 1 and District 2. So today, I have with me Mrs. Barbara Weston, who is one of the candidates for Richland District 1. Ms. Weston, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy campaign schedule to be with me today. Thank you so very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, definitely, definitely. Um, there's a lot of things, as I always tell people, we really need to get into our local elections um, because this is where we pay our tax dollars and it matters. And so sometimes I think the school board elections get overlooked. I really do. Um, and so it's good to see that you have a lot of people that are taking interest in the school board and finding passion in running. So, Ms. Weston, I guess let's start off today with you giving us a little background about who you are and why you're qualified. Okay. Well, I was born and reared in a small town of Eastover, South Carolina, and I used to kid them and say population one, uh, two minus one that I'm here. Um, I went to school in um, the lower Richland area. High school was one place that that tells you how old I am, from um, seventh grade to 12th grade was Lower Richland, uh, went that far down. Um, in the sixth grade, my mom decided that she was going to do the school of choice. And so she thought my sister, uh, Ruthie, and I would go to the same school, but she didn't know because I was in the sixth grade, I had to go to the elementary school, which was Eastover Elementary at the time. So even then she was looking outside the box for her children. Um, after I left Lower Richland, I turned 18 and decided that I knew enough about the school board as the people who were there, so I decided to run. Um, and came awfully close. In fact, they asked me to uh, go to another party to run to the, um, the, at the next level, and I said no. And I went to South Carolina State University. It was college then. Um, had a wonderful, wonderful time there. Um, and then I went to Cambridge College for my um, master's. And my plus 30 was through University of South Carolina. It was through um, College of Charleston and Furman. And then I left there and went to Richland School District 1 to do my student teaching. And got hired from that position to work at Keenan from 1976 to 89. Then I went on to Five Points Alternative High School, 
um, from 89 until 95. During that particular time, I was the 1986 Teacher of the Year from Keenan High School. I was 1994 Teacher of the Year from Five Points High School. Um, the City of Columbia proclaimed Barbara Weston Day in 1994. Um, I was Richland School District One Teacher of the Year in 95. Um, I was one of four honor roll teachers for the state in 95. And then um, I was recognized by the Milken Education uh, Foundation and became a 1995 Milken recipient. Oh, wow. Um, so I went on to do curriculum coordinator in Orangeburg three. I went to the State Department of Education where I served on um, the Board of Education. Then I went to Sarah uh, where I recruited teachers. Uh, that was a part of my job for two or three years. Oh, wow. From there, I went on to um, the uh, School Improvement Council where I um, actually went out to train uh, schools and members how to organize and get started there. Um, went to back to the State Department where I was um, with No Child Left Behind, um, co-coordinator for that. Um, also worked with the State Department as a priority um, school count, um, consultant. Um, just did all kinds of things and um, taught at the middle college level and then went on to some boards. So that was with the um, South Carolina um, after the, uh, let's see, where was that? Then I taught English um, at Five Points. And when I did that, it was a joint venture with communities and schools. Okay. okay. And so that was an outstanding place to be because the students were considered at risk, but we call them at promise because they were at a location where we saw all of their needs. Mm -hmm. We addressed them and found their talents and asked them to fly, and they did. They soared. Man, that's an excellent resume there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, it, and from that resume, what I hear more than anything is, a person who truly cares about children, cares about education, um, you serve time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. In education, literally, um, and in so many different positions. Um, and to me, that makes you an ideal candidate to actually be a part of the school board because you have a lot to bring to the table. Um, that's, that's really powerful. And what I love is what you said is um, instead of calling them at-risk children, you called them at-promise. At, at um, I'm a firm believer, and I don't think that any child wakes up in the morning and say, I want to be bad. But we also know that life circumstances cause children to react, um, trying to get some type of attention. And as we know, any attention is better, better, better than none. Um, and I'm just grateful for the time period that I grew up because in that time period, and I'm not saying that any teachers don't care now, but I think, I don't know if it's that teaching then that you guys made more time to really get to know the students or 
I can't even remember if it was if it was less of us in the class to where you had that teacher to student ratio to where you were able to pull a kid aside when you knew that hey something something's not right with you today what's what's going on um and and I don't know it could be because we had more of a village concept you know um, it it was that kind of concept, but it's also we were comfortable in our environment mm-hmm. we were asked to try new things and find what worked. Everything was based on the data, so we had best practices. We were involved um, with the whole child. And so COVID sort of cramped the style of some of the students now, and um, so they're looking to be a little bit more social. And they have more social media than than we had back then as well. So you have to address those issues as well. But I think that children are just looking for a place where they can feel safe Mm -hmm. and loved. Right. But you know what? I thought about something when you said, when you mentioned about COVID too. I think COVID also afforded teachers the opportunity to really see into these children's homes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it gave them an opportunity to truly see the environments in with that man, I know that has to pull on the heartstrings sometimes even more. I'm not saying that every home is a bad home, but sometimes when you have that child that has been that thorn in the side and you can't figure out why you can't get little Tommy, little Billy to do whatever, but having to actually talk to them through a Zoom meeting or whatever that they set up for the kids that was like you could actually see them and see their living circumstances, it made a difference. It made a difference, and it also made a difference because some children weren't able to connect mm-hmm. because Absolutely. of where they were. Mm-hmm. Um, if they didn't bring a bus around that had Wi-Fi connection, um, they could not even get connected. And one of the boards that I serve on right now is Tri-County Electric Board, where we the board members weren't doing what they were supposed to do, and they weren't being transparent mm-hmm. and honest that we voted them out. We got a whole new board. I mm-hmm. served as chair of that board at this time. Okay. And what we said was we needed people to be transparent, mm-hmm. responsible, and honest. Right. And those were characteristics we were looking for. And so one of the first projects that we took on was to bring um, broadband to the rural area. And so mm-hmm. that was a three-year process that we planned on, and we got it done in two so that people who were in the country, so to speak, Mm -hmm. would have access to Wi-Fi and they could work at home, they could go to school, and not be different just because of where they lived. Right. Wow. That's really good. So I guess, say, we're here to talk to you about the candidacy, and you've given us the reasons why you are qualified for it. So let's talk about what is the role of the school board commissioners? Okay. The job that I'm stepping forward to actually become a part of, our role is to follow the vision and um, actually help craft the vision of the school district. We are policymakers. We are to govern. We hire and fire the superintendent. Um, He actually is the one that we look to for the leadership and to carry out the vision that we have for our district. If things go wrong on my job, if I don't do what I'm supposed to do, then they don't keep me. 
they let me go mm-hmm. so that they can get someone in there to do the job. And so being a person to go in and look at the data and see what's best for children, that's a part of my role. My role is not to go in and govern the school. Um, it is only to govern the entire district and not take on individual schools to do that. Right. Um, so we can look at best practices, look at um, the curriculum, and make um, decisions based on what's best. And teachers have to be comfortable in their environment and be able to say, this didn't work and I need to change that. And we need to let them be creative and get our students from where they are to where they need to be. Absolutely, absolutely. So then um, you gave us a reason of why you're running for a school board. Um, Just from listening to what you're saying, you have a passion there. Now, if there's something else that you want to share to give us a reason as to why, why are you running for school board? Well, I believe in the children. I believe in our communities, um, our educators. Every stakeholder in Richland One needs to have a voice. Absolutely. And I want to be that voice. I have um, gone in and I have questioned the status quo. I have asked for evidence, publicly questioned what they're doing, how they're doing it. Um, and asking them to ensure accountability for the taxpayers' dollars. Um, and by doing that, they can look at proven data-based information to share. I have a passion for teaching. I have a passion for community and children. And I asked my family before I moved off the porch and threw my hat into the ring, what did they think about it? And for the most part, everybody was very positive, except my husband. <laughs> and he said, it really doesn't matter what I say, because you're passionate about this as well. And your passion is going to lead you to where you need to go. And so him recognizing that in me um, just made it even more powerful than if he had just said yes. Absolutely. And again, and one of my favorite sayings is when passion and purpose meet, man, I mean, you have you have uh, something there that you just can't pull apart because you have vision in that. Um, excitement, who you are really comes out when your passion and your purpose meet. You definitely have a true assignment. So I've listened to a lot of what you said and some of your background. What would be the ideal way to – Um, recruit teachers, because as we know, um, the United States has a teacher shortage, but we can only deal with the shortage here. We don't want to make the statement of because there's a shortage everywhere that it's okay to have a shortage in this particular district. So we're going to deal with District 1 and District 1 alone. Um, If I'm not mistaken, there was like 144 teacher vacancies. Um, I don't know what the number is now, but how would you deal with that shortage? And if you want to speak to the numbers, because I know that you know the numbers better than I do. Well, Richland One um, had over 200 vacancies at the beginning of the school year. Mm-hmm. They filled some of those vacancies with international teachers. Um, as of the board meeting last night, I think they, um, they hired nine teachers. 
and they had 94 and 97 still vacancies in Richland 1. It's an issue because the teachers who are at the school now, at the schools now, they have an overload of students because they have to take on those ones that are missing. Mm -hmm. And so I can imagine their frustration is having too many classes and not enough time. Um, teachers work two or three jobs just to make ends meet. So we have to take that into consideration as well. But in my job at the Center for Teacher Recruitment, which is now Sarah, I was a recruitment specialist. And I went around to middle schools and high schools recruiting people to actually go into the teaching profession. And when kids are little, they teach their dolls, they um, teach everything, and they become the teacher. And so we want to keep that momentum up to get more teachers. But I think the best recruitment tool that we have are teachers who are presently in our system. If you want to know how things are working out, you talk to people who are working there. Absolutely. And if they say, come to my district, this is what you are allowed to do, this is how I feel um, that I'm appreciated, then that's the best recruitment tool we can have. But I think that what we're not doing is catching people before they get another job. I know that people have told me, and I'm a prime example, that I applied for a position, but after not hearing from the district, I took another position. And so the human resources, uh, people are just a little slow in responding to the needs. I talked with a teacher uh, a couple of weeks ago, and she said she was a student teacher in the district, and she had to go to a private position because Richland One did not reach out to her um, to get a job. So we have to go outside the box and look for better ways to recruit and retain um, good teachers. And another thing that they can do is they can also look at the colleges when they're sending student teachers to the school. And if they're a good student teacher, offer them a contract before they even graduate. Or um, I'm also a member of the Student Loan Corporation. Mm -hmm. And with that, they have a project called BOLD, B-O-L-D. And they're looking to businesses, um, school districts, to say, let's look at someone who's in the, going into the teaching profession and offer them a position in the school that you will pay for if they come and teach three or four or five years. You make up the rules. So it's finding ways to look outside the box to get the teachers. But in order to keep them, we have to make sure they have a safe environment and one in which we show that we appreciate them and that they're not afraid to use their own voice to speak out. Right. Because people want to feel appreciated, but they also want to feel respected. Yes, definitely um, that. Yeah. And the money, because mm -hmm. Richland One says that they're going to pay them the money and give them bonuses and this kind of thing. But when they don't know where that when that money is coming in, that's an issue because they are planning on it mm -hmm. um, and they need to get it in a timely manner. So that, too, is what we need to look at when we're looking at what else we can do in the district to make teachers feel respected, wanted, and retain them. Absolutely. Well, you hit on um, funding, on money. Mm -hmm. So my question is, with the school board, um, 
I would assume that you guys are a part of that budget for the teacher or teacher increases. That is a part of our role to vote on as a, um, a governance issue, mm -hmm. but it's up to the superintendent to make sure that that is done in a timely manner. Whoever he has in the positions to get that done, it all goes back to him. Wow. Okay. So then when it comes to, so now are you guys over the raises for the super, so I guess then you guys will vote on the raise for the superintendent as well as, you know, the bus drivers, all of the other positions. That, the only person that we can hire or fire is the superintendent. Everyone else is under him at the district office. Okay. So in whatever their positions are, then that's when he can um, reassign, remove, hire, or fire and bring it back to the board as information or as something that they need to vote on. Okay. Okay. So they voted on having the raises and doing these things for teachers, but there's no one now that sits on the board that actually writes the checks or okay. pays pay them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that is done uh, in-house. Okay, okay, okay. Um, let me ask you this question. Um, how do you feel about open enrollment school of choice for parents? I'm divided. Okay. And the reason I'm divided is that, as I told you earlier, my mom decided that we were going to do school of choice and that we just followed through as children. If there is a position, a place that you want to send your child, we can't have everybody just flooding two or three schools. Mm -hmm. And so we have to make sure that all schools have a place where they can thrive and they can showcase um, and that they have access to all other programs and all other teaching practices and professional development that the other schools have um, because then we would become overloaded at two or three schools and right. have no one in the other existing schools. So that's my fear about school of choice mm -hmm. only based on the numbers. Okay. Um, how do you feel about charter schools? Charter schools are here to stay. Mm -hmm. The charter school does not have some of the restrictions that um, public schools do because they have to hire highly qualified teachers and they have certain rules and um, regulations that are guided, um, that the public schools are guided by. And the charter schools are not governed in the same manner. And so um, charter schools are good, but they also need to have those practices and procedures in place so that our students will thrive. Okay. okay. Um, let me ask you this question. Then. Yes, ma'am. What is your take on addressing? What is your take on addressing the amount of kids being expelled from school in retention? Because I was a part of the alternative school where they sent children um, when they didn't make it in the traditional setting, I overstand, not understand, mm -hmm. the positions that parents find themselves and children who are expelled or kicked out of school. So I think that there needs to be a place where they can go 
and they can also um, get be successful in those things. Um, I think that now because of the policy that you have of no um, no tolerance, zero tolerance, that sometimes children make bad decisions mm -hmm. that lead them to either drop out, go to an alternative school, go to a charter school, or join a gang because they want to be a part of something. So we just have to find ways to engage them. Um, one of the things that I think that we need to look at is the fact that we need RSOs are fine. Mm -hmm. um, making sure that when you walk in, that if you go through a metal detector, you don't have weapons on you. But when you pass those things, the school environment needs to change because you need social workers, you need health care workers to be in there because guidance counselors can't do it. Right. Teachers can't do it all. And so you're asking a lot of those people who are already working. Uh, so you need to bring other people in. When we look at the scores, our low scores in our district, mm -hmm. we need to use grandparents, parents, um, people in the district office, because the district office is top heavy, to go into the schools and take on tutoring, mentoring, um, engaging with what's going on in the school. And that way we can bring students up from where they are. Mm -hmm. And we have to reach them at that level of where they are and to bring them up. But that's going to call for more bodies in the schools. Absolutely. And in order to have more bodies in the school, we have to make sure that administration is actually operating the way that it's supposed to so that you can get people in on a timely manner. Um, because I do, I do also know someone who had applied in there, actually a guidance counselor, but they never heard anything back. So they were forced to go ahead and to take a contract from somewhere else, and they mm -hmm. actually really wanted to come to the district. So um, that's definitely something that will have to be worked out. Yes. Thank you, this. Do you feel like the current lost my place, excuse me. Okay. Do you feel like the current attendance lines provide a level of diversity? Interesting question. Um, it provides that, but we've had so much flight from our schools that the private schools are thriving instead of Richland One thriving um, yeah. because there has been flight. Um, if not into a particular area, when people get ready to even move into the area, they look at your scores, they look at your data, and they place their children where they think that they would be served better. Okay. So we have to make sure that Richland One is that place. And so we've got to do better in order for them to want to come to our schools in our district. Right. Um, I think that sixth grade test, um, Last year, 21-22, um, Creighton was the only school, middle school, that met expectation of all of our middle schools in our district. Oh, wow. And that speaks volumes. It does. Um, so that what can we do before they get to high school? We have to help them where they are now. Wow. Wow. Miss um, Miss Weston, what 
specific actions will you take to increase the role of parents in decision-making and promote parental involvement in schools? Our schools have to be welcoming to okay. parents, grandparents um, alike, so that they will feel comfortable coming in and offering their services. Richland One has a volunteer program. Now, during COVID, I understood that where they weren't welcomed into the right. school. But before that and after that, now that COVID's not over yet, but um, it's looser now than it has been. Mm-hmm. Um, when my granddaughter was in the sixth grade, I went to school with her almost every day. <laughs> um, she was that bully, but she didn't realize that she was. But she also found ways to play and to do these things because nobody was watching. And when I went in and I started watching, then I got a group of grandparents to say, let's form a grandparents brigade. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't have to go every day, but there was another grandparent who went, another grandparent, and we took days that we just followed our grandchildren. And just being present in the room changed the environment. Absolutely. And so we were able to see what was going on, but we were just monitoring our right. grandchildren. Right. So getting more of us into the classroom, mm-hmm. um, being volunteers, whether it's to go on field trips when they get back to doing that, or just monitoring. I remember one international teacher was always happy when I came by because just a look said it all. And then being from the community and knowing the grandparents That's right. or the parents, it also made a difference because they were saying, she's going to go back and tell my mom right. or tell my grandma. That's and right. so it made all the difference in the world. So I hope that our schools will get back to in, inviting yes. us to come in, right. but knowing that all apples are not the same. Mm-hmm. And so going to that volunteer program so that we won't get an irate parent who will be ready to uh, get up and holler us hurt right. somebody right. in the rooms, yes. Right. Well, hopefully um, soon we can overcome that from yes. the COVID situation because it's needed. Yes. Because when teachers see that there are parents or that there are people and they know people care, I mean, it, it makes a difference. And there's a helping hand for them during the day. It's huge. It makes their life a little bit easier when they have a volunteer in the classroom. And not only does it help with discipline, Um, It also helps with that community involvement because if I'm there, I'm going to go back and tell somebody else and tell somebody else and invite them to come in and volunteer and say whatever your specialty is. When we were at Five Points Alternative School, we sent out a survey to the parents and asked what were their strengths, what could they do. Uh, We had somebody said, I love to bake. Uh, Someone else loved to do something else. And so when it was time to have, we invited them to bring some food and have some mm-hmm. parent drop-ins and do some things of that nature, making them a part of right. the family right. instead of having them on the outside looking in. Community, community. Yes. Um, and I just really do pray that it does get back to that point to where we can have that engagement again because it is, it's, it's really huge. It is. So let me ask you, do you believe that art and music are part of a quality education? And if so, what do you plan to do to make sure these programs remain? I am definitely for the arts. Um, my major at South Carolina State University 
was drama, English, and speech. So I am definitely for the arts. I think that all children won't succeed at sports. Right. But to have an outlet where they are successful matters. And the drama gives them a chance to act on some of the things that they can become a different person in a different world and do those things. Um, and sometimes people find their musical talent right there at the school and they go on to become band directors and choral teachers and other things. So I think it's important that we keep the arts in our schools to give the children an outlet and also another place where they can thrive. Absolutely, because you know what, even in the drama piece of it, it gives children, some of your active during the yeah. day children, it gives them a chance to act out some of the things that they're feeling that they're going on and help them to see, hey, maybe, yeah. make them one day be an actor. That's it. You know? Or director. Or director. Or Absolutely. stage manager. There's so many Have positions. So many positions. So yeah. many. Ms. Weston. What would you do as a board member to ensure students are being treated fairly when expulsion hearings are held? As a board member, I can only see the information that's coming in from the hearing board or um, from the individual schools. Mm -hmm. But I think that it goes back to that environment where they are mm -hmm. and because there's a zero tolerance at the schools, they're having to kick students out now more than ever. And so we've got to find a way to make sure that the community and the hearing office are involved in some of those things because it may not be huge to you, but it's, it's your child, it's huge. Um, and so we have to find a way that we don't always just kick them out, but even Absolutely. with the alternative school, have a place for them to go until they can get back in. Absolutely. And so um, whatever those mechanisms will be, we have to work toward making it happen. So we've kind of talked about this already a mm -hmm. little, but I did not ask the question. Um, what role do you see the school board playing with personnel issues? With personnel issues, the school board will get information, and if they don't have enough information or data, then they shouldn't vote on things. They should wait until they get them. Um, as far as, and I will make a distinction between personnel okay. and personnel. Okay. All right. If it's a personal issue, mm -hmm. you need to put it away. Mm -hmm. This is not the place for it. If it's a personnel issue, then that is one where you provide the information to the school board and they make intelligent decisions. And if I don't have enough information, then I can't vote on something. And I'll either say no or abstain until I get the information that I'm asked to make a decision on. Absolutely. Because we cannot mess with people's lives. These mm -hmm. are lives mm -hmm. of people who've devoted awesome amount of time to be in there and be in the trenches, as we used to call it. Um, and so 
I can't look at it as just being a number on a page. Mm -hmm. I have to look at it as being a person in the profession. Absolutely. And um, we're short on bus drivers, cafeteria workers, all over. Um, we're short. But we have to show them that we appreciate them, we respect them, and we treat them as human beings. Absolutely. Absolutely. How do you plan to monitor the legislative agenda at the state level? The legislative agenda is partially set anyway, but we get our money from county council. County council always gives us the limit. So everything that we ask for, they give us what the top amount is. So they we don't have to go in and say, um, give us 50% of what we got last year or 90%. They always give us the most. So. The legislative agenda is done at a different level, mm -hmm. um, but our direct monies come through county council. Um, I'd like to say that we have enough money if we manage it correctly. Okay. Um, and I will just say that part of the transparency that we're asking for mm -hmm. is to show us the bottom line on how we're spending the money that we have because you are responsible right. for that spending, mm -hmm. and we are holding you accountable for it as well. I shared with the school board just last evening that we need to know how much money was lost on the gala this year, because the gala has been going on for more than 20 years. The first 10 years, they had a foundation that sponsored it, and after that, the district sponsored it. And for the last 10 years, it's been losing money on that. So they had one this month. They will have another one in March. And they will recognize some people. I think it's awesome that they're recognizing people who made a difference in Richland 1. It's a very positive thing. But if we're losing money on that, then let's use that money to put back into the classrooms. There shouldn't be any special ed teacher that needs the material and can't get it because they don't have the money. There shouldn't be any teacher that has to go out and buy supplies, spend more than $200, because I know when I was in the classroom, I spent more than $200 on supplies. We shouldn't have that if we spend the money wisely. And so I'm all about being transparent, being responsible, and being accountable to all of the stakeholders in our district. Well, Ms. Weston, I thank you. Um, you said a mouthful. I appreciate your passion um, and just who you are in caring about the children, um, but also about the teachers, um, the janitors, the mm -hmm. cafeteria workers, everyone that is in the district. Um, I appreciate that. And so um, I definitely wish you the best. Thank you, ma'am. And let you know that some of the best teachers are those custodians who will pick out a child that we may miss Absolutely. and befriend that child. The cafeteria worker who gives a little extra because she knows that that may be the last mm -hmm. meal that they have. Mm -hmm. um, my senior group have worked with bagging um, lunches and food for the weekend yes. and sharing that. Um, we've gone so far as the teachers told us they had a need 
for washcloths and toothbrushes just to mm. sometimes give a child, and we've done that as well. That's all a part of community service. Yeah. And we have to serve the community in which we live. That we do. That we do. That we do. Thank you, Ms. Weston, for sharing your heart, for answering the questions, um, and thank you for your time. I appreciate you for coming on, and um, I wish you the best. Thank you. And um, we will see how this how this ends. And um, whatever God has for me, it is for me. Absolutely. And um, people ask me, who are you running against? And I say, I'm not running against anyone. I'm running for the seat that is open. That's right. And um, unfortunately, even in this time and age, we look at the culture in which we live, mm-hmm. and it shouldn't be black against white. Right. It should be right against wrong. Absolutely. And so if elected in November, November mm-hmm. 8th, mm-hmm. they won't have a chance to say it's just the white people who are asking questions. I've been black all my life. And I will be there, and I will continue to ask the tough questions, and I will be respected behind doors and in front of those doors because everybody needs to be treated as an adult and as a human being. Absolutely. Absolutely. But thank you. It's been a pleasure having you on. Um, Hey, go out and vote. Uh, When you hear about these forums that are going on, Please listen in. If you can make a form, make it, because it's really to your benefit to hear what each candidate has to say so that you will be able to make an informed decision, an educated decision, and actually hear who really cares about the children Um, and if these people are really qualified to be a commissioner on the school board. So I just want to encourage everybody. Get out there, listen, make sure you get out and vote on November 8th. Um, there's a lot of things, that's, that, there's a lot of different positions that we're looking forward to putting people in a place um, on this ballot this time. So if you have the time now, pull your ballot, look at it, see what's going on, research these candidates so that you can make an informed, educated decision and feel proud about the vote that you cast. This is Tyra Little with Pressure Points Unpacked Podcast. I will be back next week with Candidate Moore. Thanks for listening. It's already-